don't think it's any secret that we're probably a little short on pitching at the moment. Um, and so uh, that will be a priority uh, uh, in this offseason. You know, and, and if we look at run prevention as a whole, um, there are probably ways we can improve run prevention. Run prevention is certainly starting pitching. It's relief pitching. Um, it's defense. And so I, I think those will be uh, areas that, that we'll pay attention to. Um, and you know, it, it won't surprise you guys to, to hear, like, I, I'm open to opportunities, right? So I, I try not to draw firm lines in the sand um, at the front end of an offseason. Um, we, we are and will continue to canvas uh, the industry. Um, uh, we will pay attention to, to what's going on out there. And if we, are think the, if we think there are attractive opportunities, either in free agency or trade, in areas where we actually think we're doing okay in the club, but we'll explore those as well. Um, uh, I'm not, I'm not afraid of of too many uh, good players in in one particular. Well, what do you think the chances are something gets done uh, with Pete Alonso before his um, free agency? Actually, I met yesterday at length with uh, with David, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a long conversation about his philosophies and ideology, and he certainly views Pete as a core part of their team and you know we just kind of let him know that uh, you know when it comes to the polar bear we're not in contract hibernation. What kind of value do you place on the fact that he's shown he can do it in New York already? Well I think the the thing about Pete that everybody knows about is extraordinary power but the thing about Pete is his durability. You look at the number of players that can post and do what he does. And the other thing is his commitment to defensive improvement, mm-hmm. where now he's become, you know, his, a rise as defense where he's at league average and getting better and better every year at that spot. So, you know, the, the idea of who he is and, and, and the value of him and now the, the veteranism of him brings that there's going to be an inclusion of younger players into this roster that he adds more value in his leadership. But being a Met, playing a Met, doing well as a Met ever since inception, you know, Pete's posted, played every day and done that. And sometimes in this industry, durability, we, we, we take it for granted, but it's very, very hard to do for these players. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, November the 12th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me on X at Mike Silva Media. And you can show up a podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, TalkingMetsNoG. And, of course, you can get the newsletter, substack.com slash at TalkingMetsNoG. And I want to welcome in the good folks of the fan-sided podcasting network, as well as RisingApple.com. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Mets podcast. Happy Sunday to everybody. And we're getting really deep into the hot stove. What are we going to do today? Well, we have a new guest. I'm really excited. Uh, in just a little bit, 
Michael Marino, a baseball reporter over on X on Twitter, going to be joining me. Michael, if you're not following him at Marino MLB, you should be because uh, he's out there working it. Young reporter, has sources, has the ability to get some good information, responsibly putting it out there. Follow Michael Marino at Marino MLB because I think your off-season and your hot stove experience will be much better. So he'll be joining me in just a little bit. What are we going to talk about? Well, David Stearns was at the GM meetings before you know a bunch of Ivy League-educated individuals decided not to wash their hands and uh, contaminate the spread and had to go home early. But we heard from David Stearns at the winter meetings. We heard from Scott Boris about Pete Alonso. Is there now maybe a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to Pete? Now that we heard from Boris, the trade market, Juan Soto is being talked about out there. Obviously, in the in the Far East, Japan, now you have not only Yamamoto and Otani, but now Imanaga is, uh, you know, Shota Imanaga is now out there, a crafty left-hander. You know, where are the Mets going to go? You know, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. So... First, uh, you know, as I said, I keep telling you guys, uh, you know, yes, shameless self-promotion. The newsletter, Beyond the Mic, is going better than I expected. Loving it, you know, loving the the Sunday column, loving the interaction, the comments. You know, I want to thank uh, a few subscribers who threw some really great comments out there this week. Don Schwick, Chris Mercado, Eric Davis, our buddy Liam Oliver from Across the Pond. Every time I see Eric Davis on my comments or, you know, on, on Twitter, I think of the great former center fielder for the Reds. I know, he, I know. last week I asked our friend Juan Bonilla if he was related to Bobby Bonilla. He says, no, I'm not related to Bobby Bonilla. I'm not going to ask you, Eric, if you're related to Eric Davis of the Cincinnati Reds. And Chris Mercado, I don't think you're related to the former Mets catcher Orlando Mercado. But, you know, nothing more humbling than to hear Chris say that he was never much of a podcast listener until he came across Talking Mets. And I want to thank you guys for supporting the newsletter. Of course, if you haven't, check it out. There's a, a free seven-day trial that you can check it out. And then it's $5 a month. You get a little discount if you sign up for the year. Less than the price of a, a cup of coffee. Look, I was at Dunkin' Donuts getting a, a coffee the other day with almond milk. It was $4. You get just two days of that, you're already more exp- – talking Mets is already of value compared to that. But anyway, enough of the sh- self-promotion. Let's get to it. So you just heard David Stearns, and, and I want to really make this clear because you know this is the most important part of what we do here when we try to assess – you know, what's going on and, and, and comment. You know, we don't like to play pretend here. We like to take real information, listen to it, parse it out, play a little GM, play a little armchair quarterback or Monday morning quarterback and have some fun and some mental bubblegum. What I don't like is when we listen to information that we hear, our, our two ears hear it, and then people ignore it and, they, you know, they go on and do unnecessary speculation or pine for players that clearly are not part of the equation. And I think that's what's going to happen. And and you just heard David Stearns, you heard David Stearns' plan. You know the situation the Mets are in. So I'm going to start out first where this is the winter of Otani. You know, that's where everything begins and ends. That's the big fish. That's probably going to be the, you know, that's probably the best free agent we've seen hit the market maybe in the last five years or maybe the last decade. And it'll probably be the best free agent that hits the market for the next few years as well. I mean, you know, this is Babe Ruth. You know, that's not a joke. This is Babe Ruth. When he's when he's pitching and he's hitting, he's as close to Babe Ruth as we've ever seen since the 1920s. And here's the unfortunate part of this if you're a fan of the New York Mets. I don't think that New York is an option. I don't think it's the Yankees. I don't think it's anything against the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Mets. 
it really sounds like Otani wants to go west of the Mississippi. He wants to be in a place where he trains in Arizona. Maybe he wants to be in a little bit of a smaller market. You heard our buddy Jim Allen with the Japanese baseball podcast predicted the Giants a few weeks back. Obviously, the Dodgers because of L.A. and because of the fact that the Dodgers are always mentioned. Now you're hearing the Cubs, maybe the Texas Rangers. All of those fit the train in Arizona, west of the Mississippi. You know, different, maybe not small markets, but smaller than New York and Boston and a little bit different. So, um, you know, what I love the beginning and the end of the Mets offseason, the hub of it to be Otani. Otani's complicated. He's expensive. You don't know if you're going to be getting two players anymore like you were just a couple of months ago. Uh, and i rather deal in realism. And right now, I just don't think Shohei Otani is realistic for the New York Mets. I really don't. And what you're really facing, you know, you heard Stearns talk about run prevention and defense and pitching. And hearing that and knowing how, and I've said this, and, and you know, we've talked about this. The uncertainty of where the New York Mets are right now. You know, they just made a bunch of trades and tore down their team at the deadline. They have an emerging farm system. You've got guys who got brought up to the big leagues like a Brett Beatty, a Mark Vientos, Ronnie Mauricio. You know, maybe Gilbert or Acuna shows something in spring training on the offensive side. you got a bunch of young pitchers who are double-A. Maybe they're about to, about to make the breakthrough. But you really don't know what you have. You have some interesting pieces especially on the homegrown side but how they much they can contribute what the real ceiling is you don't know yet so it makes it really difficult right now for you to go out and build a team it's a really tough spot for david stearns to be in what i do know in listening to him is that they want to give some of these young players like a baby like a mauricio a shot i do think they're not going to want to block a gilbert or a kuna by signing let's say you know, someone to a six or seven year deal out there. Not that there's a lot of those offensive players out there that are going to command that kind of, you know, it's not like there's Bryce Harper out there, you know? So I think what you're going to see this offseason, as Stern said, is a big focus on pitching. I think it sounds like Yamamoto is going to be their Scherzer, their Verlander of this offseason. They're also going to probably go out there and try to get some value maybe out of some other pitchers. I brought up guys like a Seth Lugo. But on the offensive side, you might be going after different types of component players like a Justin Turner, like a Kevin Kiermeyer, a defensive-minded center fielder, maybe a Donovan Solano or a Gio Urshla. Guys that can you know, be veterans, that have a track record, play defense, don't have a bad bat, are component parts of a lineup, and you, know, you go out, put them in. They're not going to block Beatty for the next 10 years like a Carlos Correa was last year. And maybe by midseason, Acuna, Gilbert, maybe Beatty shows a little bit more. Either, you know, you, you put him on the bench or you trade him midseason. I mean, that's really, when you are a team that wants to make the postseason and you are, you know, looking at certain young players that have potential, but what's the fail safe? The fail safe can't be that we're going to sit around and watch Brett Beatty in the, the whole entire 2024 learn how to play defense, learn how to hit again. You just can't do that. I mean, that's what 100 lost teams do. That's what 95 lost teams do. That's what the Pittsburgh Pirates do. You know, that's what they do while they're, you know, punting on the season. In the tournament era, 84-win team makes the postseason and the World Series. That's where you want to go. You want to start out on opening day perfect. But even if you start out where, hey, I'm an 85 to 87, 88-win team, let's see where this goes. 
There's nothing wrong with that, especially when you have an owner willing to spend and a GM that has been able to find undervalued assets in the past with his former club and also a farm system that may now allow you to be a little bit more active midseason when a big player hits the market. You also have, and you heard from Scott Boris, this whole Pete Alonso thing. If it gets to be Aaron Judge money and that's where it's going to go, uh, I guess the Cubs are going to have to give it to him next year. You know, you ride it out then and you see what you do. And maybe if you're not in the race, maybe you trade Pete at the deadline. But, I mean, seven years, $210 million, $30 million AAV. I've been telling you for two years, you guys laughed at me, that this was where it was going. You don't have a guy that hires Boris as his agent, a guy that's, you know, hit the most home runs or in the top five of the most home runs for the first five or six years of his career like Alonzo and not try to break records. Uh, you know, it sounds like Boris's position has been that they're talking I don't think Boris and the Mets are in a bad place anymore. I mean, remember, when the Correa deal fell through, who's the first person he called when he was vacationing in Hawaii during Christmas? It was Steve Cohen. So it sounded like there's some mutual uh, uh, interest in getting something done. And it's a tough, tough call for David Stearns. I wrote this in the newsletter, and if you haven't checked it out, check it out. I gave you a list of all the you know recent, since 1995, right-handed, power-hitting, first baseman types, and none of them really perform well as you get to age 33, and Pete's already 30. So if you sign him to a 7-10 to 10 year deal, you're probably only going to get three or four years. And then, you know, look at some of these contracts that get backloaded, you know, depending on how you, you know, sign it. You're starting to pay a guy 30 plus million dollars a year, 37, 38, 39. And look at Albert Pujols. He was nice. He had a nice run there his last year, but he was a very expensive part-time DH pinch hitter. And he was a shell of his former self. It was basically a guy that, you know, when he got up there, you're hoping he hit a home run. Uh, you know, you don't need Dave Kingman, uh, you know, clogging up your payroll in five or six years. Uh, you know, are there exceptions? Sure. You know, look at a guy like a Paul Canerco later in his career. Let's see. Paul Goldschmidt, uh, you know, is hitting that kind of witching hour in terms of age and as a right-handed batter. He saw a slight decline last year. Let's see what happens there. So, you know, I think Pete starts some of where other things are going to go. But, you know, as far as even the trade market here, look how tricky it is for him to get involved, Stearns, in the Juan Soto situation. Does he really even know these prospects who are acquired midseason? He's got a upheaval in the front office. Does he feel confident and comfortable trading any of these prospects or headlining a deal with a Jet Williams or an Acuna or a Gilbert, even if you sign Soto for five years? Do you feel comfortable because not knowing exactly 100% what you have? Now, look, if Soto gets on the market, you want to be involved. But if you think that San Diego, even though they you know, might need, not might, they need to cut payroll, is just going to go out and, and get quantity over quality in terms of prospects, I just don't see that. You know, I don't see A.J. Prella you know, doing that unless they are in a real bind financially. And uh, I'm not sure, even though they've had to take a, a, a loan, it doesn't sound like those who are reporting it, they're at that point where it's, you know, 98 Florida Marlins post-World Series. So you have all this uncertainty. You have a, a, a president of baseball operations slash GM just learned the op, uh, organization. You have a lot of imports from the trade deadline into the farm system that you just got maybe like eight weeks worth of up-close-and-personal view so you're going to be relying a lot on your player development guys. A lot of those player development guys have been turned over because of the new president of baseball operations. So you are in a real tricky spot this offseason. And I personally believe 
outside of maybe going after a Yamamoto, who's the big pitching ace type of thing that fits what Stearns is looking to do, I don't think the Mets are going to be sexy this offseason. And I think it's going to drive you crazy. And I think it's going to drive everybody on X crazy. I think it's going to be driving people on social media crazy. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of ranting and raving on talk radio. Get ready for some real stupid conversations coming out of our buddies over at WFAN. Because everybody is talking about Otani and talking about Blake Snell and talking about Aaron Nola. And they're not looking at where the Mets are from a standpoint of the penalties for qualifying offers. Where they are with the farm system, the uncertainty of what they really have there in this improving farm system. And also with the specter of shining Pete Alonso and having his second $30 million per year player on the roster. And perhaps a third with Yamamoto. At some point, you start adding a Soto or you know, even trying to get an Otani. You're going to have to, it's like a credit card. Even Steve Cohen's credit card has a limit. Not because he can't afford it, because it doesn't make sense to spend that money. And if you spend and spend and spend and continue to go over the luxury tax threshold, you're never going to have any draft picks. You're going to get penalized with um, international money. And that's, listen, if you're right there at the top of the uh, of the sport and that's one piece away from, from that being a complete team, you go for it. Mets aren't there yet. Mets are a 75-win team that tore it down that need to be rebuilt into a playoff contender. That's the difference between where the Mets were the last couple of years, where they were going into last offseason, and now. I'm not saying they're waving the right white flag. I'm not anticipating this being the 2011 Mets or the 2012 Mets or the 2013 Mets when they, you know, the early Alderson years when they were in baseball purgatory. I'm not anticipating that. But I'm not hearing from Stearns that they're going to go out and go to any length to sign just anybody. I don't think if... Cohen gets a call from Aaron Nola's agent or Blake Snell's agent and says, hey, you want to get out on this, that Cohen's going to do what he did in Hawaii in the wee hours of the morning with Correa and give him, a, you know, give away a $250 million deal. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Far East is going to play a big role in the Mets with Yamamoto and Imanaga. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Imanaga. I'm telling you, if, he, if these guys get on the Mets, I mean, really, I'm going to have to go to some speech classes here. I think you're going to see names like Kevin Kiermeyer and Justin Turner, names like that. And the real, you know, the real question is, do you have a lot of pitchers in this market that are going to get B or B-plus money and are going to give you C-plus or even C-minus or B-minus results? And I'm not even sure a Lucas Giolito or a Michael Waka, who's always hurt, long-term over a two- or three-year contract is any better than maybe a McGill, and I know Peterson now is out half of next year, or a Buto, or any of these young kids coming up. You know, that's why this, you know, and they're going to be relying a lot on analytics and their data scientists and, and Stearns. Even with this big budget now in Cohen, Stearns is going to have to go into his hat and do a lot of the things, I believe, that he did in Milwaukee to round out the roster because that's going to be the margins whether or not they're going to be in the mix to improve this team at the All-Star break and make the playoffs or not. Because it's truly a getting-to-know-you Mets organization phase we're in. Because there's so many questions. The getting-to-know-you phase come April, it's going to be fascinating. Because we're, we're starting it in, in spring training. It's not like last year we have all these veterans. You know this team is built to win a championship. We want to get to know a little bit about them. You know, what's good, what's bad, what do they need to get to the next level. You know, so there's always a getting to know you phase. But now it's really like we're learning so much about so many people because there could be guys like a Beatty, like a Mauricio that are getting jobs, full-time jobs in spring training. And we know a little bit about who they were in AAA, 
but we're you know we've, we've seen Beatty now for a while at the big league level, but we're not sure that we could just say this is what the back of the baseball card is going to produce. It's it's a tough spot. It's not the you know it's not like last year or the year before where it's like hey you get Scherzer, or you get a Kevin Gosman, or you get a Robbie Ray. Well then last year it was like hey they don't get the Grom uh, let's just go out and get Verlander. It's six of one, half dozen of another. You're not in that situation. There's a lot more gray. It's not black and white. And I think there's going to be a lot of value-driven free agent moves, maybe trades, maybe scrap heap signings. You know, it'll be interesting if they don't get Yamamoto, would they pivot and go for a stronger bullpen and maybe go out and get a few veterans on short-term deals like an Aroldis Chapman or a David Robertson reunion, you know, Colin McHugh or, you know, guys like that. Uh, you know, you look up and down, you know, uh, there's a ton of veteran names that are free agents. You know, I feel like you put a lot of these guys, their name in a hat, and you pull them out, you know, they're all kind of the same. And that's where analytics and inside baseball and good player development and scouting comes into play. And that's really where this is going to be determined. It's not this easy talk radio like what we do, black or white, hey, Mets need to go out and do this to round out this roster. Last year it was re-sign Nima, re-sign Adovino, re-sign Diaz, you know, get Verlander or DeGrom, you know, figure out your back end of the the rotation with, you know, Senga or Chris Bassett. No, no, you're not like that now. And there is some names out there, you know, Jesse Winker, you know, do you want to bring back Tommy Pham? Is Winker a scrap heap option? Is Harrison Bader also a defensive option to spell Nimmo against left-handers? It's interesting. There's a lot of names out there, but I'm not sure... I'm convinced I know exactly which ones are the right fit because all of them could go one way or the other. And there's also consideration, not because they can't afford guys now. They can afford whoever they want. It's, does that make sense in the context of the big picture? And the one thing the Mets are going to learn, and if you haven't, you know, you as a fan need to learn it where they are now. Council was a perfect example of where the Mets are now. Mets are in on it somebody. Mets clearly could get somebody. The Mets could be at the top of the, the market for somebody. Doesn't mean that somebody wants the Mets. So you can't get angry when an Otani signs in San Francisco. Why do the Mets not get in on this? They can afford that contract. He doesn't want the Mets. He wants an Arizona spring training. He wants a team that plays west of the Mississippi on the West Coast because he prefers the Midwest to West Coast lifestyle. Simple as that. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's because Singh is on the team. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons. You're hearing a lot of different things. So uh, buckle up. You heard from David Stearns in the open. You heard the clip. You understand where they're going. The bulk and the real meat and potatoes of this offseason is coming the next three or four weeks as we charge right into the winter meetings. You know, a lot of the activity happens between now and and Christmas, Christmas and New Year, and then obviously there's some spillover after, but I think, you know, that's where the heart of it happens, um, and it will be interesting to see. You know, you also, the Mets have to look at who they need to protect in the Rule 5 draft that's in their system. They're going to need some depth. You know, there might be guys that are decent depth pieces, so there's a lot of things right now in play that make it tricky for us to sit here and say, this is our wish list. This is our wish list for the New York Mets. This is what Stearns needs to do. And it's not a black or white team building situation. It's a lot of gray. How good are their depth pieces in terms of the rotation? 
You know, when they talk about run prevention, you know, are they just going to go component driven on offense? I believe they will because they don't want to block an Acuna or a Gilbert, you know, or a Mauricio or a Beatty. They really want to see what they have there. And then, of course, there's the big, you know, million dollar question. Will they be able to? Alonzo's going to, if they want Alonzo, he'll be there at least for one more year. But are they going to sign him long term? Because that salary and what that salary is could play into some long term commitments or even if they feel comfortable going out and, Ripping up some of this recently built-up farm system to get a Juan Soto, who's going to be expensive. The Padres aren't just going to give him away. And let's face it, you're going to probably have to negotiate something if you're going to give up top prospects like you did when you traded for Johan Santana. We have a 72-hour window to sign a contract to finalize the deal. I wouldn't trade for him without some assurances, even though I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the GM if I'm Stearns of the of the team with the richest owner. You give up that kind of prospect capital that it'll take to get a Juan Soto for just one year. You better be darn close to a championship, which right now as the roster is constituted, they are not. Or you better sign that guy and make him part of your core. Because you have your Pete, you have your McNeil, you have your Lindor, you have your Nimmo. Do you add Soto to that? You know, is Gilbert or Acuna going to be part of that? We don't know right now. So, anyway... A lot of questions, not a lot of answers. Maybe Michael Marino could get some of those for us. So, uh, Michael, uh, you know, baseball, uh, you know, MLB, you know, baseball uh, reporter, does great work on X, Michael Marino, at Marino MLB. So, uh, sit back. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, talking hot stove with Michael Marino of X. You know, that's where he is right now, X. Michael Marino, baseball reporter. He's going to have some interesting little tidbits for us. You're listening to Talk About's podcast. We're back with more right after this.